0: All right, tonight, we're going to modify this a little bit. The goal tonight really is to try to, we're going to kind of take a, I'm going to call it a kind of a hypothesis, kind of just a a theory on how at least one source tries to summarize chapters uh, 14, 15, 16, and 17, right? They try to kind of summarize it. So we're going to just kind of, see what they offer up, then we'll look, we'll kind of skim, right? We'll kind of look, and then we'll kind of just say, yeah, we agree with this, we don't agree with this, and we'll just see how far. I don't know how, how well, I'm not going to try to dive too much into it, right? I'm just going to kind of do a couple. I'm going to do some summaries of the section, so I'm going to use different sources. So I'm going to use the, the Bible study guide because they offer a summary of chapters 11 through 17, right? So I'm going to read everything they have to say, just be thinking about how they're summarizing it. Then I'm going to go to a a separate commentary, look at how they summarize it. Then I'm going to go to a third commentary and look at how they summarize those chapters. And then we'll kind of see, because typically what happens is we take what everyone else says, we kind of challenge it, we kind of test it, and then we kind of formulate our own, right? So the key tonight really is not trying to necessarily figure out everything about 14, 15, 16, and 17. The key is for us to be able to say, here is a basic idea of what we think these chapters are about. Not that we understand it. Right? We're not going to seek understanding. We're not going to go in depth. This is just kind of like, we're good. this is going to be our first attempt because we know we're going to have to do a lot of this between now and the end of August. We're going to have to do a lot of like, getting a basic idea of these chapters, maybe grouping them together or summarizing them. And then I, if I see something in there I want to go more in depth in, either I could do it on the podcast or I can just dedicate a service to go, okay, f- chapter 15, we've summarized this section. Here's a section we're really going to dig into, right? And then, but at the same time, be proceeding on and then we'll, we'll do, do so and do so. The study guide basically jumps from 12 to 18. They skip 13, 14, 15, 16, 17 completely. I well, one I can't do that and two, there's no way I could skip 13 and after all of the hours we've worked on it, you see why I don't think we could have skipped 13. So, we're going to do what, we're going to work on this and see what we can come up with. So, let's start with the Explore the Bible Personal Study Guide Summer 2023. Let's look at how they summarize 11 through 17. So if you want to do this, you can put summary number one in your notes, Jeremiah 11 through 17. This is summary number one. All right, here's what they have to say. I think here they're just going to go more with kind of some statements of fact, but it may serve as the foundation for us to build on for the other summaries, okay? I know this is going to be kind of weird how we do this, but hey, you know, um, we'll, we'll just see how it works. We'll, we'll, we'll make it, it may not be beneficial right now, but hopefully it will be beneficial as we move forward. So here's what they have to say. All right, here we go. And if you have your Bibles open, make sure it's open starting in Jeremiah 11. You can kind of flip and, and be summer reading and, and overlooking and, and summarizing and skimming and everything else you need to do here. And we'll see how far we can get uh, tonight. We'll see. I don't know. But here we go. All right. Jeremiah 11, verse 1 through chapter 17, verse 27. The Lord reminded his people of the covenant he made with their ancestors when he delivered them from Egypt. Everybody look at Jeremiah 11, 1 through 7 and see if you think that's a factual statement. That in that section, God is reminding his people of the covenant he made with their ancestors when he delivered them from Egypt. Is that fair? Do you feel that's fair? All right, Jeremiah chapter 11 verse 1. The word that came to Jeremiah from the Lord saying, "Hear ye the words of the of this covenant and uh, and speak unto the man of Judah and to in the inhabitants of Jerusalem." All right? And say thou unto them, thus saith the Lord God of Israel, Curse be the man that obeyeth not the words of this covenant which I commanded your fathers in the days that I brought them out forth out of the land of Egypt." So that's a factual statement, right? We can agree with that. Now, that sets up a lot of what we've discussed, right? Because clearly, what is the that covenant that's being mentioned there is a covenant that requires them to do something. And we know what any time, which would be what? Law. And so the, so the law is mentioned with this covenant that's being made. And we know this. They don't obey it. That's, that's led to all of our discussions, right? Wherever law shows up, what will happen? Man will fail. Okay, all right, here we go. So, sadly, their ancestors' disobedience brought God's judgment. Look at Jeremiah 11.8. Is that a factual statement? All right, so in chapter 11, 1 through 7, God reminded them of the covenant. And chapter 11, verse 8, it demonstrates that the ancestors' disobedience brought God's judgment. Jeremiah's generation was repeating their ancestors' sins, and God warned judgment would come again. Chapter 11, 9 through 13. Is that a fair assessment? Chapter 11, starting in verse 9. And the Lord said unto me, A conspiracy is found among the men of Judah and among the inhabitants of Jerusalem. They are turned back to the iniquities of their forefathers. So what, So remember we talked about this over and over and over? The past generation did what when it came to God's law? disobeyed the present generation of jeremiah's day what were they doing in relationship to god's law and what would the future generations do and when the church came along what do we do with god's law we disobey it okay so just just i think you're getting the idea jeremiah struggled as he saw wicked people prosper he called on the lord to bring them down chapter 12 verses 1 through 4 is that an accurate statement Chapter 12, verse 1, he says, Righteous art thou, O Lord, when I plead with thee, let me talk with thee of thy judgments. Wherefore, doth the way of the wicked prosper? prosper? Wherefore, are all they happy that deal very treacherously? And then he begins to talk about all of them, and he calls for them to be what? I think at the end of verse 4, to be killed, to be brought down. All right, so everybody see that? God was about to hand the Judeans uh, over to their enemies and they would experience devastation chapter 12 5 through 13 Do you see that in 5 through 13 Do we yes no okay do you think that's a fair thing to say All right okay I think I think that is fair to say all right Nevertheless he held out the hope of restoration if his people turned to him. Chapter 12:14 through 17. Now this we definitely need to read, chapter 12:14 through 17, because this is very important. 12:14 through uh, 17. Everybody there? All right? Thus saith the Lord against all mine evil neighbors that toucheth the inheritance which I have caused my people Israel to inherit, behold I will pluck them out of their land and pluck "...out their houses of Judah from among them, and it shall come to pass, after that I have plucked them out, I will return and have compassion on them, and will bring them again, every man to his heritage, and every man to his land. And it shall come to pass, if they will diligently learn the ways of my people, to swear by my name, the people the Lord liveth as they taught my people to swear by Be'al, then shall they be built in the midst of my people." If they will not obey, I will utterly pluck up and destroy the nation, saith the Lord. Now, the only problem with this, there is promise here. This promise seems more to deal with them coming out of Babylonian captivity, right? Hey, I'm going to return, I'm going to do this, but there's a condition because it sounds like if they don't do this, more judgment's going to come. Well, we know they come out of Babylonian captivity, right? And then we know... They don't obey, and they go right back into another captivity, right? And a roundabout way, because Rome is in charge when we open up our New Testaments, correct? So, again, anytime, time, even though there's promise, if there's ever a condition to the promise, the people fail the condition over and over and over and over again. Everybody feel good with that? Yes? Okay. All right, chapter 13. God used an object lesson. Now, I disagree, Um, because he didn't use one. He used a bunch. He used object lessons, plural, and a parable, and I'm going to say parables, to convey his message of judgment through Jeremiah, uh, though false prophets continued to assure the people all was well. So he used all of these object lessons in chapter 13, which we've spent multiple hours covering. However, in spite of all of these warnings, in spite of Jeremiah telling them, hey, judgment is coming, judgment is coming, something will happen. Look at chapter 14. Now, you just note and that even in their summary, they skip 14, 1 through 11. They don't even summarize 14, 1 through 11, which is interesting. Why do they skip it? I don't know. We're going to have to find out. But look at 11 through 16. What happens in 14, 11 through 16. 1411, then said the Lord unto me, pray not for this people for their good, right? When they fast, I will not hear their cry. And when they offer burnt offering and an oblation, I will not accept them, but I will consume them by the sword and by the famine and by the pestilence. Then said, I, O Lord God, behold, the prophets say unto them, you shall not see the sword, neither shall you have famine, but I will give you assured peace in this place. Jeremiah is like, wait, wait, God, God, you're telling me not to do, don't pray for them, don't do any good thing good for them. But these false prophets are, they're lying to them. So Jeremiah keeps giving them the words of warning, but clearly they're those who continue to do what? Give them a false message. And then uh, verse uh, 14, And the Lord said unto me, The prophets prophesy lies in my name. I sent them not, neither have I commanded them. Neither I spake unto them. They prophesy unto you a false vision and divination and a thing of naught and, uh, and the deceit of their heart. Therefore, thus saith the Lord concerning the prophets that prophesy in my name, and I sent them not. Yet they say, yet they say sword and famine shall not be in the land, but sword and famine will shall those prophets be consumed. And the people to whom they prophesy shall be cast out in the streets of Jerusalem because of the famine and the sword. And they shall have none to bury them, then their wives, nor their sons, nor their daughters, for I will pour their wickedness upon them. Right? Serious words, but once again, it's kind of a once again a frustrating situation, right? Because if God didn't send them, could He not stop? I mean, if He could stop the false prophets, it seems there's at least a hint here that maybe the people would have listened to Jeremiah. But you do realize the like how frustrating this situation is, right? Because if you're just an average person living in Jerusalem, right? You're just an average person in Judah. You're worried about planting crops. You're worried about your animals. You're worried about your children. You're worried about life. You're worried about, you know, living. And you've got prophets walking around. And prophets, One number one, are like, God's gonna bless us. Everything's great. It's peace. It's wonderful. Everything's great. And you got another prophet going, Judgment is coming. We're all going to be destroyed. We're going into captivity. Now, first, do you have the ability to look up scripture? Do you have uh, uh, the ability to look up a concordance? So how do you know which one's telling the truth? The only way you're going to be able to test them is to wait and see what's going to happen. Well, guess what? waiting to see what's going to happen. <laughs> it's going to be too late. Th- that, I don't, that's the, the, one of the most troubling sections. That, I, 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 that, just, that makes me actually angry is what it makes me. It really does because that seems so unfair to the people. What does he say is going to happen to them for listening to the false prophets? What does he say right there? I, I just read it. What, what does he say is going to happen to the people? The people are going to suffer. The people are going to die. Well, that seems so unfair. How are they supposed to know who the right prophet is? Did did the false prophets come up and say, we were not sent by God, we do not believe in God, we do not know God. The false prophets show up and say that they've heard from God, correct? Don't they show up and do that? Well, then how are you supposed to know? That is so... Maddening to me, and if you think about it, the same problem exists today, does it not? Doesn't the same problem exist today? We've got well, we got one branch of Christianity, in certain parts of the charismatic world they claim to be apostles. They claim God speaks to them directly, and they get visions and they get revelation. Now, the only problem in that world, everyone in that world claims to be getting, God is speaking to them, and God has given revelation. Uh, Rebecca sent me a thing today from Pastor Stephen Furtick where he's talking about anxiety, and he's like, look, I don't really, I'm not an expert on anxiety. I don't really know a lot about anxiety. I don't know a lot about mental health. I don't know anything, but God told me the reason you suffer from anxiety is because of pride. Well, wait. We, so God told him that? Now he's giving a, a definitive diagnosis on anxiety because God told him? Like, like that's what, and look, he's, he's, he's in the top zero zero point zero one percent of all podcasts in the world. Millions and millions of people listen to him and now say anxiety is caused by pride. Well, because God told him. So now you don't even, you can just not be an expert in anything. God told him. Who are you supposed to listen to? They say, well, I'm not going to listen to anyone who says God told me. Okay. So we will eliminate all the charismatics. Great. We don't listen to them. Does everyone feel better? Now we've got the rest of Christianity. Where everyone doesn't claim God spoke, speaks to them, but they all claim that they know how to interpret the Bible and their interpretation is right. And guess what? Guess what? Do they do they does it require them to have any education? No, no education. It doesn't even require them necessarily to do any serious study. So in a roundabout way, we're, we're no better off than the people at that time. And we, but, we, but see, pastors today would say, no, 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 no. Today it's much better than it was because we have the Bible and we can fix all. But we have the Bible and we're more divided than at any time. Like, so then how does anybody know what's true? Like, nobody can know what's true. So that, that's, that, that is, that's crazy right there. That's, I, I don't even know how we process that. But here's the thing in this summary. Let's just remember, everything has been covered except what section? 1 through 10, 14, 1 through 10. So just kind of, you may want to write 14, 1 through 10, and draw a circle around it, asking ourselves, or put a question mark to it, why, why did they skip that in their summary? That's either, that they're either saying a couple of things. What do you think are they possibly saying by skipping it? They don't know what it means, or they don't think it's that important, all right? Okay, now, but look what else they do. How many, uh, how many verses are in chapter 14? 22, they skip, now they skip, so they skip 14, 1 through 10, they cover 11 through 16, then they skip 17 to 22, and then they jump to chapter 15, verse 2, and they say, the Lord's judgment was certain, in chapter 15, 2 through 9. That's that's just weird. So we're going to have to try to figure out what happened here, okay? All right. Now, they say, Jeremiah lamented that his commitment to God had led to much personal suffering. Look at chapter 15, 10 through 18. Do you see Jeremiah lamenting and how much suffering he's enduring? Do you see him lamenting in chapter 15, verses 10 through 18? Does everybody feel that that's a fair assessment? Because he says, woe is me. My mother that thou hast borne me, a man of strife, a man of contention, to the whole earth. I mean, he's like, everyone hates me, okay? I'm having a bad day. He's very upset, all right? If someone else would have been around him, they would have been like, why are you getting so... like?" And they would have been gripping at him, but okay. All right, but he's upset. In response, the Lord encouraged his prophet... To repent and assured the prophet of his continued presence and protection, look at chapter 15 19 through 21. Is that a fair assessment? 15, 19 through 21. God does God encourage him to repent? Uh, the, uh, in response, the Lord encouraged his prophet to repent is that do you agree or disagree yeah, no, it okay everybody agree mm-hmm. all right what verse makes you sure that you now know who, know who he's talking about verse 18, and this people, and all right so he's referring to jeremiah. jeremiah all right okay so all right so everyone seems assured with that all right um and then he continued his, that, uh, if he would repent, he have assured the prophet of his continued presence and protection. That's chapter 15, 19 through 21. Any more verses in chapter 15? All right. So they covered, a good portion of 15 is covered. All right. Now they go to chapter 16. And again, they don't, most of this they're not skipping. Something about 14, they just kind of like, eh, we don't, we don't need that. Now in chapter 16, God told Jeremiah not to marry for bitter times lay ahead. Chapter 16, verses 1 through 4. Is that a fair assessment? He should not lament for those who died, for the dead were better off. Chapter 16, 5 through 9. Is that a fair assessment? All right. Judgment would come on Judah just as it had come on Judah's ancestors. Chapter 16, 10 through 13. Is that fair? Judgment would come on Judah just as it had come to Judah's ancestors. 16, 10 through 13. Now, once again, what does that demonstrate? Israel had failed in the past and were judged. Israel was still failing and was going to be judged. Meaning, once again, everything under the law was failure, 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 failure. Now, the next section we may want to pay close attention to. Now, remember we we had a little section there where it seemed to promise restoration. But that restoration or that coming back was contingent on their action, their behavior. Now we have another possible discussion of restoration. All right, Look at chapter 16, verses 14 through 21. Chapter 16, verses 14 through 21. What do we have here? Chapter 16, verse 14. Let's look at it. Therefore, behold, the days come, saith the Lord, that it shall no more be said, the Lord liveth that brought up the children of Israel out of the land of Egypt. I'm right, read that again. Chapter 16, verse 14. Therefore, behold, the days come, saith the Lord, that it shall no more be said, the Lord liveth that brought up the children of Israel out of the land of Egypt. But the Lord liveth that brought up the children of Israel from the land of the north and from all the lands, whether he had driven them, and I will bring them up again uh, into their land that I gave unto their fathers. Now, is this simply a reference to coming out of Babylon? Seems to be saying it's a restoration more than just from the land of Babylon, does it not? And you see what he's saying? Hey, there's gonna come a time people are gonna forget that I brought you up out of Egypt because I'm gonna restore you in an even bigger way or greater way. Now, is it simply the return from Babylon? You could you could have that. Verse uh, 16, Behold, I will sin for Many fishers, saith the Lord, and they shall fish them. And after will I send for many hunters, and they shall hunt them. And from every mountain and from every hill, and out of the holes of the rocks. See how far, they want us to keep going. Uh, Verse 17, for mine eyes are upon all their ways. They are not hid from my face, neither is their iniquity hid from mine eyes. And first I will recompense their iniquity and their sin, double, because they have defiled my land. They have filled mine inheritance with the carcasses of their detestable and abominable things. O Lord, my strength and my fortress and my refuge. In the day of affliction, the Gentiles shall come unto thee from the ends of the earth and shall say, Surely our fathers have inherited lies, vanity, and things wherein there is no profit. Shall a man make gods unto himself, and they are no gods? Therefore, behold, I will this once cause... I will this once cause them to know, I will cause them to know mine hand and my might, and they shall know what my name is, know that my name is the Lord. All right. So there's a little bit of promise of restoration there. We still don't get a full picture of it, do we? It sounds like it may be a little bit more than just coming out of Babylon, that they're going to be pulled from everywhere, and they're going to come back to the land. Once again, we have a land promise. And we do know that even when they came out of Babylonian captivity, obviously, whatever land they supposedly had, we know this. They don't keep it very long, do they? And do they have it today? They still don't have it. So then, is that a future restoration? Well, that, that's something to consider, all right? That's chapter 16. Now, look, guess what they do? How many verses in chapter, chapter 16? Was it 21? All right, they covered almost everything. Now, chapter 17, guess what they skip? Verses 1 through 4. That skips chapter 17, 1 through 4. All right, here we go. People need to trust in the Lord rather than in other people. Chapter 17, 5 through 8. Is that a fair assessment? Yes, okay. Jeremiah exhorted them to demonstrate their devotion to the Lord by keeping the Sabbath. God promised to bless them if they did, but to destroy them if they refused to listen. Chapter 17, 12 through 27. Is that a fair assessment? Tells them to keep the Sabbath. He said he would bless them, but if they, if they, uh, if they did not obey, then he would destroy them. Twelve through twenty-seven. Do we feel that's? Is there only twenty-seven verses? Right, right. Is that? Is that seem like a good? Talks about the Sabbath. Does he promise to bless them if they keep the Sabbath? Yes. And did he say he'll destroy them if they do not? Mm-hmm. All right. So once again, what do we have? Come at this point, everybody should know the answer. What do we have then? Once again, yeah. law and, and what is always going to be the result? failure right so it's just this is it's gonna it's, it's it's gonna become like a broken i i know it's a dated reference it's gonna be like a broken record it's gonna be like a a digital file that is stuck okay what however you want to put it it there it's just gonna be repeating over and over and over and over hey do this do this do this do this but they're never going to do this and as we saw this morning why are they never going to do it can an ethiopian change the color of his skin can a uh, leopard change his spots which is, again, just insane that that's I don't even understand why that's in Jeremiah. The whole thing makes literally no sense. But okay, that's their summary. That's their summary. Now, all they did was give us factual statements taken from the text. They didn't try to do what? They didn't try to outline it or do anything. Like They just said, here are these statements of fact that seems to cover that section. So we could just say, all right, well, let's stop. But let's, let's do That's summary number one. You were supposed to be writing all of that down. I'm sure everyone did. All right. Here goes summary number two. All right. And I'm going to skip what I actually have here. I'm going to go to a, my other, my, this summary. All right. This summary says this. And chap, this is summary number two, if you're keeping, taking notes. Uh, this is from Warren W. Worsby. All right. This is Worsby. This is a different, this is a different source. Uh, chapter 14 to 17. Uh, well, I mean, this this covered 11 to 17. This is going to summarize 14 through 17. All right. All right, Only reason I went back and did 11 is just for review. It's the only reason I did that. All right? Now, 14 through 17. Summary number two covers 14 through 17. Warren W. Worsby, this is what he does with these chapters. Now, what's weird is it depends on what you're reading from Warren W. Worsby. Because sometimes he breaks these chapters down this other way. In his, uh, in his commentary with the word, he does a completely opposite thing. So I don't think even he knew exactly what to do with these chapters. I don't think anybody knows what to do with these chapters, but here we go, all right? In these chapters, 14 through 17, the prophet delivered four messages. He claims there are four separate sermons. And interspersed, right, Interspersed within the messages are Jeremiah's own prayers to the Lord and the answers he received. So this is what happens. This is why he breaks these, these chapters down. Are you ready? These, these chapters include four sermons. In the middle of the sermons, Jeremiah prays to God and God responds to Jeremiah. So, in a sense, think of it this way: sermon, prayer, God responding to the prayer. Now, I don't know how clear this is going to work. We're going to look and see. We're just going to to take a few minutes here because obviously at this point, we've already spent 30 minutes with the first summary. This summary, we're not going to be able to get far, but at least if we see if we can break these down into four sermons, all right? Here's supposedly sermon number one. Look at chapter 14. 14. All right, first, if this is a sermon, we need to look for kind of that key phrase, which we see in 14.1. The word of the Lord that came to Jeremiah concerning the dearth. Now, what's the dearth? What's dearth? Drought. All right, so this is God's word to Jeremiah, and then Jeremiah is to deliver it to the people. So this gives us a clue that, yes, this is a sermon. Now, the key is, How many verses in chapter 14? 22. Now, here's what I want you to look. Look at chapter 14, verses 1 to 22, and see if basically this is one sermon primarily focused on the drought. Now, what do you want to look for? Well, look, everyone pay attention, pay attention. Chapter 14, verse 1. The word of the Lord that came to Jeremiah... Do you have another section that seems to start a new sermon? Now you've got to be careful because interdispersed in the middle of this is what? Him praying, Him praying and God responding to Jeremiah. Yeah. So you, got, you can't take that. We've got to look for where God comes to Jeremiah and goes, here's a new message. So is this all one sermon? 14, 1 through 22. Is it all one sermon? Yeah, they go back and forth with this prayer and response. Oh, now see, now see, now that could that cause a problem? That's, I think, is that Jeremiah praying for the people, I think, right? Is that Jeremiah? Yes, I don't know. Does this work as one sermon? And if you look it down to verse 22, look at how ver- the, the ver- chapter ends. He starts talking about rain, right? So it seems like the drought idea still is continuing, yes? There's a lot of stuff in between. There's no question, right? So what do we... We're, we're going to go with the... According to this theory, you ready? That chapter 14, 1 through 22 ultimately is basically one sermon with interdispersed within it, there are prayer between Jeremiah and God and God responding to Jeremiah, all right? That's mixed into it, but it all is one sermon with this interlude of prayer and response. That's their theory, all right? So we're just gonna go. So with summary number two, we're gonna say chapters 14, one through 22 is a message about drought, in the middle of the message, Jeremiah prays and God responds. This is summary number two. This is the theory. This is the theory. We're just going to call it a theory. We're not going to be dogmatic, right? Because we're not going to be. Once we work through it a little bit, we'll be able to say, yay, we agree or disagree. Okay? we weren't obviously not going to be able to do that tonight. All right? Oh, I want to I start working immediately on chapter 14, but. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not. I want to, all right? Now, look at, and I've got, I've got a bunch of notes on chapter 14, right? I mean, we could spend, we could spend a long time on chapter 14. We're going to have to figure out what to do, but at least we, we have that. Now, look at chapter 15. This is supposedly message number two, according to this way of summarizing it. Now, what do we have starting in verse 1? Then said the Lord unto me, so once again, he seems to be giving him the words to go preach, right? So they're referring to this to message number two. They say this is a message about the coming captivity. And they go chapter 15, verses 1 to 21, which is the whole chapter. Does this seem to be a message about the coming captivity? Do we feel this is a message about the coming captivity? I know there at least some of it is here because look at chapter 15, verse 4. And I will cause them to be removed into all kingdoms of the earth because of Manasseh, the son of Hezekiah, king of Judah, for that which he did in Jerusalem. So this seems to definitely have some discussion, right? Now, what's going to be interdispersed in here? Once again, Jeremiah is going to pray to God, and God's going to respond to Jeremiah. But do you feel like this chapter is primarily about them going into captivity? Does that do you feel more confident about this chapter than you did chapter fourteen, or do you feel about the same? Okay, all right. The next oh, there again, I've got notes and notes and notes. I would love to start talking about it, but we can't. Number three. Chapter 16. What do you have at the beginning of chapter 16? The word of the Lord came unto me saying. Now you see, that, that's why everyone feels like that these are separate messages because each chapter begins almost like God speaks and here's a, now a new topic to t- discuss, all right? Chapter three, or chapter three, chapter 16. Message number three. This is a message about Jeremiah's strange conduct because God tells him, Don't do this and do this. And some of it seems maybe a little strange. They call it strange. You could just say God's directions for Jeremiah's conduct, if you would like that better. And how many uh, verses in this chapter? 21. And they believe that this entire chapter is here. Now, what can be interdispersed in it? Prayers between. Do you see Jeremiah praying to God in the middle of this somewhere and God responding in chapter 16? Do we see the same thing happening again? Is it following the same pattern? Okay. So we we have a similar th- thing. Now, just just this is interesting, right? Cuz in 13 it was completely different, right? We had all these weird object lessons. So, anyone looking at this is like, well, 14, 15, 16, 17 seems to have a same pattern. There seems to be one key message, and then there's this prayer back and forth. And then each chapter seems to have its own. They say this is a message about Jeremiah's strange conduct or about his conduct. Now, look to chapter 17. How many verses in chapter 17? 27. They once again say the whole chapter. They say this is a a message about Judah's sins. Tell me if you think this is a message about Judah's sins. Well, wait a minute. What do we look for in chapter 17? What do we look for at the beginning of chapter 17? Now, the only problem is we don't quite see that here, do we? The sin of Judah is written with a pen of iron and with a point of a diamond as a graven upon the table of their heart and upon the horns of your altars. Now, the only problem is we don't seem to have that kind of like, here's a new message, do we? So that could possibly be a problem with this hypothesis for this summary. But clearly, I think we can definitely know. Immediately, the chapter tells us what it's about, right? It's about their sins. It's about their sins. And do you feel like that goes the whole chapter? Well, yeah, the whole book, yeah. Now, my, my concern is, look at chapter 18, verse 1. We have that phrase again, right? So wait a minute, is 17 a continuation somehow? Like, should we, con- could- should we combine 16 and 17 somehow? I don't know. I don't know. We'll have to see how that flows together. But we're going to go ahead and say 17 for, th- for just because we're capturing this summary. Summary number two says that there are four sermons, right? Sermon number one is chapter what? 14, right? Chapter 14, and it goes from verse 1 to 22, and it's a message about the drought. What's mixed in the middle? prayer and response all right sermon number two is in chapter 15 verses 1 to 21 and it's a sermon about the coming captivity and what's in the middle of it prayer and response sermon number three Jeremiah's Jeremiah's conduct chapter 16 verses 1 through 21 what's in the middle of it okay I thought we already looked is there Okay, is there prayer and response in chapter 16? Let's verify. Yeah, yeah, you're the one who said, okay, all right. So, we got that? Now, sermon number four. A message about Judas sin, 17, 1 through 27. What is supposed to be somehow found in this? Prayer and response. Let's see if we find the prayer and response. Where do we find it? Yeah, here we go. In the middle, we have prayer breaking. O Lord, the hope of Israel, all that forsake thee shall be ashamed, and they that depart from uh, from me shall be written in the earth, because they have forsaken the Lord, the fountain of living water. Heal me, O Lord, and I shall be healed. Save me, and I shall be saved, for thou art my praise. So at least now, I don't know if we have God necessarily responding right there, but once again, we have at least prayer, at least mixed in. All right, so that summary number two is that 14 to 17 are four sermons. What are the four sermons? Sermon number one, a message about drought. It goes from chapter 14, verse 1 to 22. Sermon number two, message about the coming captivity, 15, 1 through 21. And then number sermon number three is about Jeremiah's conduct. It goes from chapter 16, verse 1 to 21 and message number four is chapter 17 verses 1 through 27 and it is about Judah's sins. And that is the summary. And we'll and we'll just we're gonna just end it there. Those are two summaries. We have a third summary, but we won't attempt it because there's no way I'm gonna even get close to doing it. Alright? There you go. That now that is not super helpful, I know, but it at least offers how to possibly look at this now the main thing to note is there seems to be a clear change from 13 to 14 15 16 and 17 because he's not doing object lessons anymore it appears right seems to be a straight message and it appears to have prayer inter dispersed in the middle of it sounds good all right there we have i wish we could have got dug into it a little bit more but I tried, We did. A, I think a, the summary that we gave, the first summary, offers some very specific statements of fact in there that really helps you get an idea of what happens in all of the chapters. This just tries to group it together where you at least can see the message, all right? So for those who are participating in the Bible study exercise, 14 through 17 is the chapters to read, 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 read this week. Um, and then we'll just see what kind of work we can do on them throughout the week. And then Wednesday we we'll, we'll do it we'll do summary number three on on it maybe uh, we may not even do summary number three. We may use summary number three to start working through fourteen through seventeen There we go and then we can try to remember these other summaries all right let's pray Lord God we come for you this evening a a large section of scripture that is very difficult to just try to Continue to go word by word through, Lord, but I pray that this summary will at least give us an idea of seeing a bigger picture of what's happening and what's going on in front of us. We'll understand what you had to say to, to Judah, what you had to say to Jeremiah, and Lord, hopefully as we continue to meditate and read this on, this week and the rest of this coming month, uh, we will continue to see how this is applicable to us in some way, shape, or form, and we ask this in Jesus' name. And God's people said,